The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about (laughs) send in the clowns. And I don't mean the creepy kind. I mean the real clowns. We're going to be talking about this phenomenon that seems to be taking not only America, but even other countries, Europe and so on, by storm. Uh, There are various theories that people have as to why this is happening now. I'll tell you mine, (laughs) too, as we go along. But um, I'm very pleased to have, as my guest today, Randy Christensen. He is the president of the World Clown Association. So, Randy, welcome to the show. I want to get right into this. I know you've been, actually, you were telling me before we went on that you've been, just in the last two weeks, you've been quoted in 500 media outlets and you've done 40 interviews. I mean, yes, this is a very hot topic and I guess um, there are pros and cons to this for professional clowns like yourself. Yes. Uh, Well, good afternoon, Dr. Carroll. And it is. It's been an exciting last couple of weeks in a lot of different kinds of ways. And, and generally during this season of the year, as we come towards Halloween, uh, you know, these types of horror character type of things, you know, usually do come out, whether it's brought out by social media or by television programs or the, the movies that have just come into the theaters now kind of inspire that kind of fear and fright in different people. Mm-hmm. But not so much, uh, has there ever been a year where it's been uh, like it is this year with all these creepy clowns? Well, I would say every year I've, I've done interviews uh, on the topic of a scary clown, but I think this year, just with the propagation of so much social media, I think a lot of this has really just been pushed forward because of Facebook and Instagram and and just uh, it's just a whole different level of things because communication is so instantaneous and uh, so many things are shared that even if they were hoaxes, people believe them to be true because they saw it on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about, I mean, there's a whole really interesting history of clowns and, and um, they're being seen as court jesters and a political um, uh, activists and, and pleasant, uh, happy times, and now creepy clowns. Um, but before we get into talking about some of that, let's, I, I'm really interested in, in learning what made you become a clown. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I began in the fall of 1980. 
so I've been a clown for 36 years. And oh. what happened is I went to college and um, through a series of events, uh, a college r- roommate taught me how to juggle. I, oh. I learned juggling in the hallways of the dormitory. And it was fun. And he said, hey, let's go be uh, clowns at it uh, together. And I told him, no, I won't do this. I'm not going to be caught dead with makeup on my face. (laughs) (laughs) And I really had no desire to do it, but he kind of kept pestering me till finally I gave in. I said I'd go with him one time if he never asked me again. Yeah. And so I'm the guy that, you know, I was an athlete. Um, Honestly, I had uh, probably a bigger ego than I needed to have, but I didn't want people to laugh at me. Uh-huh. But he finally convinced me to go, and I went with him one time, and he took me to a children's hospital. Huh. And as we went from room to room, and I saw the expressions on the, these children's faces, and I saw the smiles, and I saw the relief, and I saw the joy, and I saw, by the time I was done there, I just, I, this had gripped my heart. I thought, how can I not step into the world of hurting kids to, to bring some joy in these hard times. So that's what took me into clowning was my experience seeing how children reacted in such a positive way, especially at a place when they were in a challenging time. Huh, wow. And has your friend uh, continued to be a clown himself? He has continued on. Um, he actually works around the world, actually, with the children's charities, trying to provide for children in need all around the world. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what took me into it. I saw the difference that it made, the positive impact that it had on, on, on an audience, whether it was an audience of you know, 50 people or an audience of one. So that, that's what got me hooked into it. I love the creativity of it. Um, I know this, the clowns that I know, they do this because they love people, (laughs) they like to laugh, and because they want to help people that are hurting. And so Uh they want to bring a smile to people's faces. That's why they do this. And that's how I got involved with the World Clown Association. It's a a group, an association of people that are using clowning to bring joy, to bring smiles, to bring laughter into people's lives. Hmm. And... And you have, I've been reading about it, you have members from over 30 countries, um, and you do these annual conventions. Uh, Last year was in Orlando, and then this year it's going to be in Thailand. That's pretty interesting. Yes. Well, there are. There's clowns from all around the world, and so we go to different places around the world for our international convention. It is an exciting time because we'll oftentimes have clowns from a dozen to 15 different countries that are there. And I know most people can't picture what this would be like, but, but it's like a giant family that is just there to have fun and to also learn how to be a better clown so mm. that we can encourage our audiences. Uh, one of the main things that we do is we do have competitions. And so uh, picture this. You step up and say, okay, you have five minutes to show us your funniest bit. Uh Go. (laughs) And so clowns around the world just doing circus-type performances and clowning, and and it's it's really an amazing thing. Now, I take it that nobody in your family is or was a clown. (laughs) 
not previously, though I grew up in a home that enjoyed laughter. We would laugh together and we would enjoy, um, you know, being together and enjoyed the arts. And so this wasn't a big stretch, uh, you know, from that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, well, the way you said that, so are there people now in your family who you have influenced to become a clown? I would not say they're professional clowns with, you know, like putting makeup on, but we in, we've always enjoyed comedy. We enjoy laughing together. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that, that's my family. Uh-huh. Clowning around. <laughs> Clowning around. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the history of clowns. Um, you know, the, the various kinds of clowns that there are, I mean, other than, other than what you're talking about, you know, professional clowns who, um, who do this for entertainment, but what about the history of clowns, other kinds of clowns, before we get to the creepy clowns? Sure. Well, almost every society that, that we look at, you can find some type of comic relief character that steps in and gives people a different vantage point on things. I mean, from the Hoppy Indians to, to uh, different ones throughout Europe, of course. We can go back 3,000 years ago. There's records of jesters in some of the Chinese dynasties in the courts there. And, and the jester concept is often that this person was there not just to bring uh, comic relief and laughter, but oftentimes this person became a really a truth teller to help help people see things in a different light from a different angle. Clowns think different. <laughs> and through comedy, we see things differently. I, it really, it's like what a lot of our late night television talk uh-huh. show hosts do now. I mean, they're using comedy to shed light on some truths in a different way. Yes. And, and um, when they were court jesters, um, similar to late night uh, hosts, uh, they yeah. would, they would be able to say things that you couldn't really say seriously. I mean, it would be too shocking or too rude. Or but um, right as a jester or or as a late night uh, host, you know, ha ha ha. Really, um, it's it's you're able to tell the truth. Yeah, and the jester often was known as the fool, right? The court fool. Mm-hmm. And so if he said something and you'd laugh at him. Uh, it's like, oh, well, you can't take him seriously, and, and yet, he, so he could say things and get away with it at times. I think in our modern day, I think a great example of this for me was, was David Letterman. Uh-huh. Because David Letterman would stand there and play the fool and, and make his funny faces and, mm-hmm. and something, but yet you know he was trying to make a very serious point, but he was using comedy to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, jesters would do that. So, um, you know, it, well, well, let's t- get into the into the creepy clowns. Um, what has this been besides doing all these interviews? What yeah. has this been like for you? I mean, what you know? How I know it's been really hard for a lot of professional clowns because I was reading about how. Um, the clowns are making less money because they're not being hired as much to uh, to entertain while this phenomenon is going on, and there's um, some kind of a backlash, and people are sort of misunderstanding clowns and the and the purpose of clowns and so on. What what have you experienced? 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. That's happened in various parts of our country. I think it kind of has depended upon the local community and uh, the level of social hysteria, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the kind of paranoia that has happened in some different communities. And, and I understand this has happened because generally it's been somebody that has either played a hoax or they're playing a prank. And what they did is they went out and bought a Halloween mask and now they use that to scare somebody. And so let me just say right up front, that's not a clown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but just because a person puts on a Halloween mask, that doesn't make them a clown. Um, I, I said to somebody else, if I, uh, you know, if I buy a Donald Trump mask and rob a bank, mm-hmm. the newspaper doesn't say, oh, Donald Trump robbed a bank. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yet people say, oh, that was a clown that scared people. And I would say, no, that was not a clown. That was a person uh-huh. wearing a Halloween mask. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. You know, that person had nothing to do with clowning. Clowns, you know, bring joy. Clowns, uh, the, we receive training actually how to not scare people and how to make sure you step back away and read body language and all this type of thing. We invite people into our world to play, but we don't engage with people who have any sense of fear. So anyway, the people wearing the Halloween masks are doing the total opposite of what a clown would do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. Um, what, I mean, have you, you must, as president of the World Clown Association, you must be getting lots of calls and emails and so on from clowns, professional clowns, real clowns, um, asking for your advice about different things what what are people tell it talking to you about well i'll say that in some areas it has not affected the performance of our members uh-huh. because people already know that this person is professional and brings joy and it has nothing to do with a horror clown mask okay because th- this person is a professional entertainer and and they bring joy but uh, we've also had some places where um, people have kind of played into the paranoia, and so they've canceled mm. um, different outings. I've just read recently that there's a couple parades coming up in uh, the northeastern part of our country that where they have banned clowns uh, mm. from showing up even at the parade route, which, which is really sad to me because I know I, as a kid, you know, I would go to the parade for two things, candy and clowns, and that was it. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I used to go see circuses um, a lot when I was a kid and when I had a kid, <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I loved the clowns. Um, you know, I used to go, well, I'm from New York, and so I would go to Madison Square Garden, and I mean, that was a big deal, going to see the circus there and seeing all the clowns, and um <laughs> I mean, it makes me sad that other that some kids are going to be deprived of this, at least for the time being, while there's all this paranoia, as you say. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, the whole thing with the clown cars and the clowns on top of the elephants and just all kinds of, um, and, and mimes and, and, you know, really clever stuff besides being funny and entertaining. And it's really, it's, it's really sad that um, there will be kids, at least for t- the time being, who will be deprived of that. Um, yeah. And, and that's why we at the World Clown Association, really, we, we stand with our police departments and safety officers and all this 
people putting on a Halloween mask and threatening violence, uh, that has zero to do with clowning. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, that, that's just totally opposite of what we're about. And so, uh, you know, we want to encourage people to understand that professional clowns are there for entertainment. They're there to build relationship with people, to encourage people, to bring smiles. And um, so... I know there's been some discussion about uh, some of the uh, larger stores and places that have yes. started pulling the horror clown masks off of their shelves. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'd say anything that helps curb the hysteria is probably a good thing. <laughs> but I think that parents, uh, Dr. Carroll, I think parents need to really talk to their children and say, okay, listen, this is what, this is what clowns do. This is a Halloween mask, mm-hmm. and, and they're two very different things. Well, and so. when, um, when, the, when people put on the mask, you know, the creepy clown mask, they don't do nice, positive things to make people laugh. They're trying to scare people. Now, granted, Halloween, I mean, that, whether they're wearing a skeleton uh, mm-hmm. costume or, um, I don't know, some other kind of or a vampire or whatever. They're, I mean, that scaring people is part of Halloween, for, part of what some people enjoy on Halloween. Um, but, you know, but it's unfortunate. I mean, you don't mistake a, a skeleton for a real skeleton or, you know, or a vampire right. for a real... It's, it's not doing damage to the uh, real vampires. Yeah. Um, but, well, um, and we understand, I mean, from a professional vantage point, the World Clown Association, we understand there is a horror genre that some people enjoy. And you may go to a haunted house. Uh, you may go to a horror movie. Um, you know, if that's your choice, that's fine. But when people bring out a mask like this to do antisocial behavior, that's a right. whole different thing. You know, to scare right. strangers, to threaten strangers. And, and I'd say this, uh, people under, need to understand, if you go to a haunted house and a person wearing a doctor's outfit comes at you with a chainsaw, he's not really a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's a horror character. Unless and he's so you don't have to be afraid to go to the doctor because you saw a guy like that in a haunted house. Right. I'd, say, I'd say it's the same thing, that they've taken something that's good, clean, and honest, and trustworthy, and, and twisted it and perverted it for this horror portrayal. Same thing is happening with clowning. But those aren't real clowns. That's somebody that's dressed up and has twisted this thing you know, for this purpose during the Halloween season. That has zero to do with clowning. And, you know, of course... Um I wonder if you've been giving some advice to um, uh, for people to protect themselves, real clowns, because, you know, there have been reports, as I'm sure you know, and I'm sure uh, many of my listeners have heard, that there have been, it's not just a matter of, I mean, started out with uh, clowns coming out of the woods and, and scaring little kids or asking little kids to come, these creepy clowns, I should I should clarify. Yeah. Um, coming out and asking kids to follow them into the woods, offering them candy or whatever the story. You know, there have been different stories. Um, and, and, but then now, you know, it's gotten to the point where, where people are attacking the clowns because they're so, the creepy clowns, because they're so scared of them. Yeah, and that's heard? why I guess I, you... I, I, I mentioned kind of a social paranoia. 
because now everybody that does any type of clown entertainment, uh, people, some, some that don't know them, you know, are suspect. So we understand that. I've talked to uh, a number of our people in our association, and I've just told them, yes, be safe, be smart, be funny, <laughs> <laughs> because that's how we're going to win this is by showing people what good entertainment is. Yeah. In contrast to somebody just wearing a, a horror clown character mask. So um, I, I've advised some that uh, certainly if you can have a friend ride along with you, maybe you need to choose to dress into your clown outfit once you arrive at your venue instead of driving through traffic you know, for 15 minutes before you get to the place you're going to perform. Maybe instead of getting into costume at home and making the drive, maybe you can get in costume while you're there. Because uh, I, I did hear one gal who uh, had pulled up to do a birthday party. Now, yeah, I want you to picture this. This is a grandmother, hmm. and she was booked to do a birthday party for a kindergarten girl. And so she pulls up, uh, and she's five minutes early, so she's sitting in her car outside the house before she's going to walk in to do this birthday party for this little girl. And before she gets out of the car, she's surrounded by four policemen. Oh, my God. Because somebody looked out of their window and said, oh, there's a clown in a car. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and, and that's why I say this social, it's kind of a mob hysteria in a way. Uh-huh. Um, and and uh, it, it's, it's sad. It's, it's a sad thing because... Really, clowns are here to help bring comic relief and joy and laughter, and I think our country right now needs that. <laughs> yeah. Probably more than ever, you know, we need some comic relief, and yet the very uh, individuals who would share this good, wholesome comedy are the ones that are kind of getting scrunched down by, by others because of this. So. Yes. Well, yes, I mentioned that I, some places. I mentioned some places it has not affected their business at all. But I, I have heard reports from others in specific areas where, yeah, there have been some cancellations, or they're going out and maybe instead of doing a birthday party as a clown, they'll do it as a pirate, or they'll do it as a um, magician, you know, or, or some other mm-hmm. type of cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have. Um uh, I one of my specialties, and right now what I'm really um, focusing on a lot is terrorism. And mm-hmm. um, I I have uh, been talking about how the connection between these creepy clowns and terrorism. And I mm-hmm. see that in two ways. Um, first of all, there is a phenomenon even before terrorism, or before uh, th- there's a phenomenon where. Um, people feel that when there is chaos in the world, that um, that, that is when um, clowns can be looked upon as more, um, as, po- as possibly being more dangerous. Or, um, and certainly at this particular time, I mm-hmm. think that the, our collective unconscious, which is basically the unconscious mind of society, has created this creepy clown phenomenon because um, we are really afraid of terrorists and we have essentially caused them to appear, uh, all of us, unconsciously, because we, we are putting terrorists in clown costumes, 
if you will. In other words, it's, it's, um, they're less terrifying if we can see them as a clown, even a creepy clown, you know, that, that the creepiness takes the, um, uh, is the part that scares us and terrifies us and so on. But, but it's still, it's more manageable if it's in the form of a clown, which is, which is supposed to be someone that is harmless and, and all of that. And um, another way of looking at it, also related to terrorism, is that the people who are doing, who are putting on these creepy clown masks and going out and scaring people and uh, doing all kinds of misbehavior um, are people who are what's called identifying with the aggressor. In other words, they are afraid of the terrorists, and so they are making themselves someone who creates fear, creates terror, so that they can feel just as powerful as a terrorist because they're feeling powerless. Of course, the real, (laughs) taking all this one step further, um, if real terrorists put on creepy clown masks, um, you know, that could well be a a disguise, um, a way of... (laughs) Uh, of getting into places where, you know, or carrying out their, uh, an attack uh, in an even more sadistic kind of way. What do you think yeah. of all that? Well, I agree that when a mask goes on, it, it, a person has a sense that they can participate in antisocial behavior. Yeah. You know, there, there is something about that, that they somehow feel empowered to do things they wouldn't normally do when they're behind a mask, whether that's a clown mask or a hockey mask or, or whatever, because yeah. this is why people put on masks when they rob banks, you know, when, when they do other things like this, too. So I, I think there is some truth to that. Certainly, uh, I understand that. It seems like the vast majority of people that have participated in these types of pranks and hoaxes um, and trying to terrify people mostly are, are junior high, high school, maybe college age students. Um, and so if there is a sense of powerlessness and they can sense a, have a sense of power when they put on that mask because they get to scare people, <laughs> yeah. um, I think there is that uh, adrenaline rush that they get from that at times. Um, you know, remember a few years ago when there was, uh, they called it the knockout game, um. where a stranger, they'd be like in some of our big cities, inner cities, uh, a group of teenagers would walk along the street and there would be an unknowing stranger walking by and one would step over and punch him in the head yes. and try to knock him out. Yes. And here their other friends are videotaping them do it. Yes. I think this almost has the same kind of background to it. It's it's a sense that I can prank a stranger even in a violent way for like the entertainment value of my friends. And Mm -hmm. so you you talked about powerlessness or having a sense of power over a stranger. Mm -hmm. I think that does play partially into the psyche of some of these people that are doing this. Yes, yes. Um, and yes, I agree that when people put on a mask, it, it, uh, it, it allows them to become somebody else. And if, you know, and if that can particularly, like if they're, if they're a goody two-shoes uh, without the mask and then they let their, the bad boy or bad girl in them um, come out with, with a mask, um, whether that's creepy clown or some other kind of mask, 
Well, Randy, do I need to let you go at this time? <laughs> I, well, I do have some other engagements I need to take care of okay. today. Okay, well, that's fine. I really appreciate your um, being on the show. That's Randy Christensen, and his, he's the president of the World Clown Association. And um, you can certainly go to that website, which is worldclown.com. Uh, so check that website out, and you know I think the points that you made about what real clowns are about is really important. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, and, Dr. Carroll. And we'll be right back. I'll be right back with another in the second half of this show, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact dr carol lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We've been talking about the clowns in the uh, first half of the show, Send In the Clowns, and we just had a great clown giving us the real scoop of what real clowns are all about. Um, I want to, before going to my next topic, I want to make sure that I give some advice um, to any of you who are thinking about going, getting dressed up as a clown for Halloween, or perhaps you have kids who are saying, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, I want to be a clown, whether it's a creepy clown or a not-so-creepy clown. Um, you know, what do you do, right? Well, I think that um, between now and, and Halloween, uh, probably the creepy clown phenomenon will continue to get more intense. 
And yes, it could, you know, you can make some decisions based upon where you live and how paranoid you think the people are in your neighborhood or, or where you'd be going, where your child would be going for trick or treat. Um, but I think it probably is better if it's a child who's, you know, if it's a little child <laughs> who people wouldn't suspect of doing something. Well, I don't think anybody should be dressed as a creepy clown. Let's start with that. Um, but if you want to be dressed as a regular clown uh, and you're a little kid, very little, and people won't suspect that you have nefarious things in mind, then I guess it's okay. But then again, if you're really little, of course, you will hopefully be going around trick-or-treating with a parent um, who is dressed normally, <laughs> like a normal parent. And um, and so people won't get freaked out um, about the clown costume. Now... If you're if you're if you or your child is going to a Halloween party with um, you know a, 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 a with people you know or people a small number of people um, or and or they've been told that you were going to be a clown so they know it's you um, then I suggest that you bring your clown costume to the party I mean don't wear it but bring it and dress um, at the house or or wherever the party is inside where you're not going to be exposed to people other than the people who you know aren't going to um, freak out thinking that you're a creepy clown who's dangerous to them. Um, I also want to tell you, I have um, a number of flashlights. This is one thing. I, I don't suggest you, uh, you protect yourself from creepy clowns. This is the other side of it, not if you're going to be a creepy clown or you're a, you're a child. But if you're going out on Halloween and you see some creepy clowns, um, the way to protect yourself is not with a gun or a knife or any other kind of weapon, like, duh. Um, I shouldn't say duh, because, in fact, there have been reports of that already, where people have been attacking creepy clowns with, um, uh, well, they've taken out a gun. I, don't, I haven't heard anyone shoot um, a creepy clown yet, but... But they've taken out their gun, they certainly have taken out knives, and they've physically attacked the creepy clowns. So, so um, what I suggest instead of doing all that is carrying a flashlight and shooting the flashlight, pointing the flashlight in the creepy clown's eyes and uh, protecting yourself that way. That will um, immobilize him anyhow, and then you can run away. And I have um, a prize for, or a gift for um, the first people who email me through the, um, not while I'm, after the show, <laughs> after the show, I'm not going to be looking at any emails during the show, but after the show, if you um, use the uh, Voice America uh, link to email the host, um, I will provide the first people who do that with a new kind of flashlight that is has come out. It's called the Atomic Beam. It's a tactical flashlight that's ultra bright and can be seen from miles away. And there are five different modes. And what <laughs> what's particularly interesting is there's a strobe feature where you can shine it into the eyes of the of the creepy clowns. And then there's an SOS mode which flashes SOS in Morse code. Now, you have to hope that there's somebody who understands Morse code <laughs> around, but that's, you know, that's pretty reasonable to expect. Um, so just email me through the Voice America link. Okay, let's go on to the next topic. 
I always try to pick hot topics in the news, and there is no, no shortage. Uh, there's never a shortage because the world is getting crazier. Um, but I wanted to talk about a different kind of clown. This is a kind of clown that has really, that really has irritated me. Um, now, it's not a surprise to people who have been listening to this show before. I've had many guests on who, along with myself, have um, promoted Donald Trump. Um, so, with, for transparency, I, I will repeat that. I am a Donald Trump supporter still, um, but it is not because of that that I'm going to be talking about what I'm going to be talking about. It actually is with my, I mean, it is not just because of that. <laughs> it is actually with my, um, my expert witness hat on. Uh, and that is the women who have been crying wolf um, when they have been alleged, making all of these allegations against Trump for sexual harassment. Now, I have been, I have worked as an expert witness for 20 years uh, in all kind of hundreds of criminal cases and, and civil cases. And um, amongst the civil cases, there have been a fair number, quite a bit, of sexual harassment cases. And I have been, in some cases, I've been on the side of the accuser, the plaintiff, and in some cases, I've been on the side of the defendant. Uh, and usually, it's women who are the plaintiffs and men who are the defendants, of, although, of course, uh, nowadays, it can be same-sex complaints and so on, or men complaining about women sexually harassing them. That's always interesting. Um, so I am very familiar with, with everything that goes into these sexual harassment claims. And the women who have been coming out one after the other, saying, alleging uh, things about Donald Trump, first of all, the main things, except for one woman, the main things that they have been alleging, and this, they're, they're all, if, if I would love, <laughs> I would love to be a, the expert witness in any of these cases. If these women are going to be uh, following through, like, you know, some of them have Gloria Allred as their lawyer, and one of them has Lisa Bloom, who's Gloria Allred's daughter, the apple doesn't fall far. <laughs> and um, it, I would love to be an expert in one of these cases, because I would love to be able to poke holes um, in in any cases that actually go forward against Donald Trump. And, of course, he actually has been talking about um, filing suit, and I think he has started filing suit against some of these, these women. And that is really, um, at first I thought, oh, that's, not, that's a little tacky. Why are you doing that? And then I realized um, he needs to do that because otherwise there will be Hundreds of women, or I don't know, hundreds, but there will be a lot more women coming out of the woodwork uh, claiming the same things, these terrible things, that he hugged them or he gave them a kiss. Most of them will admit it's a peck on the lips or on the cheek. I mean, really, has our society fallen apart that much that we're now suing people for giving us a kiss? a peck even on the lips, a peck on the lips, and giving us a hug. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're against hugs. I mean, seriously. Yes, I get it. You know, certainly if he had raped anybody or if he had done um, heavy petting with anybody or, you know, I, I'm, I agree that we should all uh, have personal space and anybody, whether it's a man or a woman, who, who um, gets, invades our personal space, 
should be told stop or should be run away from. But these women didn't run away from him. In fact, um, many of them continued to badger him to get a job or to get other kinds of favors. And some of them, before they decided they were going to come out, you know, and claim sexual harassment, they sent him emails supporting him in this election. They, they, you know, if somebody sexually harasses you, you don't want to have anything to do with them again. You, you wouldn't email them or call them or try to get a job with them. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. And I'm going to go through as many of them as we have time for, but I just want to say in general that um, most the I'm talking in generalizations, well, my, what my diagnosis, and I have to put that in quotes, I've never met personally any of these women. I've never given them, you know, in, as an expert witness, I would be giving them what's called an independent medical examination or independent psychiatric examination, which means that I spend a day with them um, asking them all kinds of questions and uh, giving them a psychological test or two and so on. I have not done that with these women. So this is just, you know, based upon my 20 years of doing sexual harassment cases. Um, so I would, I would, my opinion would be that they are malingering. Malingering is a psychiatric um, sort of diagnosis. I mean, it's in the diagnostic manual. And it, it means lying for profit. Now, this could be, in these women's cases, well, in general, it, it, it's often, it's usually money when someone files a lawsuit, um, or it's there after an apology, or they're after, you know, there are various things. But, of course, with a lawsuit, it starts off with wanting money. Um, but these women, I don't think it's even, I mean, yes, I think they, the ones who go through with it are, are, want money, go through with a lawsuit, want money. But even the other ones who are just coming forward, they want their 15 minutes of fame. And they also want to be, the, for the world to see them as more attractive than they see themselves, okay? Because um, these are women who have serious insecurities about how attractive or unattractive they are. And by proclaiming to the world that Donald Trump, who has a gorgeous wife and who um, uh, pretty much can have, you know, can have his pick of women. Let's put it that way. And again, most of these women that I'll describe for you, you know, a lot of these, um, a lot of these women, these allegations took place years ago when, um, and he was quite a handsome man, um, a few pounds lighter and, and younger and so on. So it wasn't just about his money. Um, really what it was, was the, these women in their various encounters saw Donald Trump recognize, they admit that they recognized it was Donald Trump, even when he was, you know, years younger, um, when he was in his 30s or whatever. Um, and, uh, and they had a fantasy, whether it lasted for a second or whether it lasted in some of these cases, you know, these women who keep calling him, <laughs> keep emailing him and so on, um, you know, they presumably still have the fantasy that maybe he would uh, want to be with them. So when they, when they see him giving them a kiss on the cheek or hugging them or whatever, they go to this fantasy. They went to this fantasy years ago when this happened or this allegedly happened. They would go to this fantasy. Oh, maybe Donald Trump is interested in me. Ooh. And then when their, when their hopes were dashed, when they realized that it was, you know, just um, he was being friendly, <laughs> flirt, even flirtatious, whatever, 
Um, then, uh, but that was it, and he didn't really intend to uh, develop a relationship with them. Then they became women scorned. Well, you know the saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and we are seeing this with all the women that have come out. I was reading today, I think we're up to 14. But let me just go over a couple of them with you and show you how ridiculous this whole thing is. I love the first one. I, I, I'm, I think she was the first one um, out. It, it gets actually very confusing because a number of them came out at the same time. But anyhow, this woman, Jessica Leeds, she's done a lot of interviews and her um, allegations stem from 1980, 36 years ago. She is 74 now. She uh, lives in Manhattan. She said that uh, 36 years ago, she was moved on a plane uh, from, from coach to first class, and she was seated next to Donald Trump. Now, of course, she leaves out how that happened. Uh, at least I haven't read or come across how that happened and whether or not she even asked to be seated next to Donald Trump. But in any case, certainly she might have. In any case, um, she claims that he was kiss- he raised the seat divider in the plane in, the, in their first class seats and he grabbed her chest. He grabbed her. He pulled her towards him. And of course, that you know, made her chest come closer to his, and he, if, if this happened, and he kissed her. Now, the thing that's fascinating about this woman is that she says that the, after she tells the whole story and how terrible this was and how this is sexual harassment, oh my God, um, she says that it went on for 15 minutes. 15 minutes! How terrible could that have been if you let him, a man do that to you for 15 minutes? I mean, clearly she had fantasies that this was, um, he was, he was just, I mean, that's the thing for these women. They want to prove that they are so irresistible that even a man like Donald Trump, who could have many other women, were, couldn't keep their hands, his hands off of them. That's the point. That's what they're trying to show. So anyhow, um, so it went on for 15 minutes and, um, and she said, she said this on television. If he had stuck with the upper part of my body, I might not have gotten that upset. Okay, so it would have been okay for Donald to fondle her breasts and kiss her and do whatever he wants to the upper part of her body. But uh, when he supposedly, supposedly, put his hand under her skirt, that was, that was the uh, end for her. That was, you know... Because probably at that point, she realized that this wasn't just courting, that he wasn't like trying to start a relationship, that um, if this happened, if, 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 that, you know, it was more a sexual situation. Then we have, there are so many of them, it's so hard to, um, so hard to pick the ones, um, well, I love the ones that, I love the ones that have, where, where I've seen um, interviews of them, where they have these crocodile tears. Um, for example, we have um, the woman who was a former Apprentice uh, contestant. Her name is Summer Zervos. She was on camera sitting next to Gloria, who always looks very solemn, you know, and, and helps them wipe their their tears and so on. This is as if, you know, this was like, uh, this was, 
such a, I mean, I, again, I don't mean to, to, um, to minimize sexual harassment. There, it, sexual harassment does go on in certain situations. I have been on the side of defendants, you know, or I mean on plaintiffs. And so, yes, um, it does happen in certain cases, but what typically happens, like in the cases that I see, it's a woman who is like typically at a work setting, and it's a woman who has been flirting with her boss or even sometimes going to bed with her boss, having a relationship with her boss, and then at some point when she finds out that he doesn't want to leave his wife, all of a sudden she cries sexual harassment. And, oh, we ha- he, he attacked me. You know, the, the, the sex becomes no longer consensual. It's that he was sexually harassing her. So, you know, <laughs> and I have seen a lot of these situations. So perhaps I'm jaded, but um, let, me, let me give you some ex- ex- continue with some of the examples here. Summer Zervos. Okay. So this supposedly happened in 2007. And... Um, she said he first kissed her during a meeting in New York, but she was still interested in getting a job at the Trump Organization. She met him for dinner in Los Angeles. She said that she was escorted into a room next to where he was getting dressed. I don't know, that seems a little like a strange story. But anyway, he later kissed her, quote, very aggressively and placed his hand on my breast, unquote. Okay, then this woman says... She still had dinner with Trump and later called him to inquire about getting a job. So in other words, if he gave her a job, (laughs) then it would be okay that he touched her breast. Um, And then, uh, then, this is one of the emails. He, Ms. Zervos, continued to, this is is what Trump said. Uh, to be clear, I never met her at a hotel or greeted her inappropriately a decade ago. This is not who I am as a person, and it is not how I've conducted my life. In fact, Ms. Zervos continued to contact me for help, emailing my office on April 14th of this year, asking that I visit her restaurant in California. Now, obviously, he, you know... Um, must have the email or he wouldn't be making that up because at some point he could be asked to produce it. So, (laughs) you don't do that uh, for somebody, for a man who supposedly did all these horrible acts of sexual harassment to you. Um, Okay, then we have Kathy Heller, who allegedly in, oh yeah, this is another great one, all of them have their own, even though they're, they have their same motivations, in my opinion, they have their own interesting little stories. Um, she is now 63. She said that she met him at Mar-a-Lago, you know, his, his club, and he, she met him at a Mother's Day brunch there. And she says, he took my hand and grabbed me and went for the lips without her consent. Um, and she had been invited or introduced to Trump by her mother-in-law. And um, she said that he held her in place and kissed her. And this supposedly was witnessed by, part of it was witnessed by, a, part of it was witnessed by a relative. Now, you know, I don't know, the, the mother-in-law perhaps. But in any case, here's the bottom line to this story. There's always, there's always, you know, first of all, she's a politically motivated democratic activist. She, you know, she is an activist um, for the Democrats, and this is the, this is the uh, killer. She's in a legal dispute against the same resort 
owned by Mr. Trump. So she's having a, a legal battle. They don't say what it's about, but in any, any case, um, so she's, you know, has a lawsuit against his resort, this same resort where she claims he took her hand, grabbed her, and went for the lips. I mean, really, like a peck on the lips, like someone else has admitted it was just a peck on the lips. I mean, our society, um, you know, certainly, certainly there is too much and certainly an increasing amount of child sexual abuse. There's an increasing amount of, 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 of well, I was going to say like domestic violence, which, you know, that can include rape. Um, there's, you know, there is a very disturbing trend towards an increase in sexual improprieties. But, and so I'm, I'm, and I'm not condoning that, but you have to look at each of these stories for the, for the motivation behind that particular story and the rest of the story, like these people continuing to contact him or her having a lawsuit against the resort. I mean, that would be very helpful if she also added this alleged sexual harassment to the lawsuit. Then we have another woman who, uh, another woman who sent him uh, an email in January of 2016. This is Jill Harth, and she thanked Trump. Well, she, it, the story for her was it, this supposedly happened in 1992 and 1993 in a Manhattan nightclub and later at his Mar-a-Lago club. She uh, and her then-boyfriend, George, entered into a business venture with Donald Trump, and that included holding an event at one of his Atlantic City casinos. And she said he made uh, unwanted sexual advances towards her, including groping her under her skirt on two different occasions in 1992 and 1993 during their initial meetings. Now, she's the one whose lawyer is Lisa Bloom. Now, um, if you had an initial meeting with a man who groped you, who really groped you under your skirt on two occasions, would you continue to have a business venture with him? Um, I mean, you know, they're using him for his money and his clout and all of that, and, and now they're coming forward and saying that he did all these things. But somehow they were willing to overlook those things at that time in order to be in a business venture with him. Now, um, she, she has continued to be in contact or try to be in contact with Mr. Trump. Um, she has made repeated requests for employment. She's made attempts to seek out Mr. Trump. Um, and she has um, sent him an email, as I said, in January 2016, in which she thanks him and offers up her support for his presidential run. So she offered to... Um, to do something, you know, to to help him in his campaign. And, you know, p- perhaps, presumably, um, he didn't take her up on that. I think he was a little busy <laughs> and, um, and had probably had other people who could be more helpful. Um, but she has persisted. It seems like she's chasing after him, like she's stalking him, which is actually what Bad Girls Scorned, as I talk about in my Bad Girls book, um, the chapter, the type of bad girl that's called bad girl scorn, that's one of the 12 different types. Um, first, they stalk the man who rejected them, and then they uh, show their anger at being rejected by doing something to uh, bring about or try to bring about his downfall. Like some woman put, made a, um, 
a billboard, bought a billboard in Times Square that showed a picture of her with a man. This isn't anything to do with Trump. Um, but she, he was a married man, and she showed, um, she bought this billboard and put up on it pictures of their relationship. And so the idea was that she would show his wife um, that they had been in a relationship. Well, oh, the time flew, but you get the picture. So there are clowns and there are clowns. Um, beware of the, of the creepy clowns, and don't let that stop you from really enjoying real clowns. You heard what my guest uh, talked about in the first half of the show. But then look deeper into the stories of these clowns, these women who are coming forward and accusing Trump all of a sudden of um, sexual harassment when they are really women scorned. All right. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I know. I am. Uh, I would. I would. I don't want to disappoint you by not being controversial. So I. I trust this show didn't disappoint. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 